Cybersecurity is a topic that should be at the forefront of any company, regardless of the size of that company. In this episode of KPMG's Privately Speaking podcast, you'll hear host and KPMG audit partner Erica Whitmore talk with Rick Parker, partner in KPMG Cybersecurity Services, to discuss the ins and outs of cybersecurity. Well, I am super excited about this podcast today. Um, I may be a, a, a nerd, but uh, I've been looking forward to it all week. So I'm super excited to have Rick here today. And he's got just a vast amount of knowledge on this topic. And I think it's going to be really beneficial to our, our listeners. So Rick, it's not going to, I'm not going to do it justice. So if you can maybe just give, give the listeners a little bit of your background. Sure. Thanks, Erica. So I am Rick Parker. I lead our, well, KPMG's cybersecurity practice in the U.S. uh, for strategy specifically. And what that means is that I focus on the C-level relationship, uh, the board-level relationship to cyber. Uh, Sometimes that means I'm just a translator, taking everything from technology and cyber jargon into business speak and helping organizations contextually build an understanding of what it is, the challenges, what, what it is related to what we do as a business and why there's a cyber risk associated to it, and what we're going to do about it. What do we need? What kind of people, technology, skills, capabilities, partnerships, whatever it, it may be, and, and what's the appropriate uh, amount of response that we should have for our business to, to get us to a, hopefully a stable state of, of cyber risk management? No, absolutely, Rick. And I, you know, I think... I think I shared with you uh, my favorite, one of my favorite things to do is watch CNBC by while I work out and, you know, I continue, uh, you know, I don't even own my own company um, and I get nervous, right, for all my clients and, you know, are they thinking about these things and some of my clients, I know what they're thinking about and I know what they're doing and you always wonder, is it ever enough Um, and you don't want to make those headlines, right? And so that's why I'm super excited that that you're here today because I think you can help those companies, right? Whether they're series A, whether they're, you know, we're, we're growing really fast, starting to approach net income all across all industries, right? This, this is applicable. So maybe we can start there. And and I, you know, we talked a little bit earlier and I think your story's phenomenal. And so I I really think if you could tell that story, (laughs) because it's a good one. And I think it, I think it really kind of illustrates the, the issue. So I, I think what's, what's interesting for organizations is you, you start from an industry perspective and then you back off of that and you say, cyber's everybody's problem and everybody's responsibility, regardless of whether we're a public or a private or whatever we are, whatever our state of business is, whether we're a hundred year old established company or we're, we're brand new startup. And the difference there is adding the context and saying, what are we going to be? Where are we going to be? And what do we need to do? And by starting with that, we say, if you're an organization that has a lot of personal information, privacy information, uh, or intellectual property, that, or you plan to be that organization, then you have a different set of risks than an organization that might be making widgets. And they're not really widgets that we care about the design of or the, the research and development of, but rather just we're a commodity maker of things. And, and when we start from that perspective, there's a lot of honesty that we have to have with ourselves about what it is we're trying to protect and what it is we want to put out to the market. Are we trying to project a feeling of stewardship, of, of trust? And if the answer to that is yes, and that is a core part of our credo, then that also then starts to help us build our understanding of what we need to do from a cyber perspective. So when I talk about things like sensitive information, personal information, if I'm planning to be a social media company, or I'm planning to do a lot that's customer-facing, 
my relationship with the customer, my relationship with their data is going to be very important. What I do with their data, who I share it with, how I procure it, what I do with the data handling lifecycle is going to be important. And how I protect that is going to be part of my brand trust with the end user. So that means there's a certain set of capabilities. So I might have to spend to get to those capabilities and need to figure out how much based on the risk that's there. Now, that's not just what's the cost of trust. There's also the regulatory aspect of that. That doesn't matter if you're a public or a private company. And these kind of things are where we have to get to is we're saying, where is the business going? What is the business doing? And what do I want to get to? And that's not a number. That's not saying I want to get to $1 billion or $2 billion or $10 billion. Uh, that That's more about what do we do? What is the product and service or set of product and services we put in the market? And what risks are inherent in those? And then what do we match to that? And then figuring out what the minimum level of capability that we need there and where do we need to go beyond the minimum? Because those are the things that are important to us. And that's what I mean by trust. And so, Rick, just to make sure we capture everybody, right, if I'm a Series A company or maybe I'm not even a Series A company, I'm just I'm looking to to get into Series A. and, And I've got to imagine and I haven't validated with my VC friends yet, but I've got to imagine this is a question that potential investors ask companies, right? What have you done about cybersecurity? What do you know about your risk, et cetera? But if that's me, right, if that's my company, where do I start, right? Where yeah. do I where do I begin? So, you know, it's a it's an interesting question, right? So you think about some of our friends in deal advisory, and we're talking about I'm, I'm a new up-and-coming startup. I have established what we're doing. Let's say it's it's an angel or, or wherever you're at, and you've got a – You've got something in operating and cost running, but you're trying to make yourself attractive, right? So if you're looking at the VC companies or the equity crowd, there, I'd say over the past five years, there's been a change in how concerning the position of trust for, for security is, and it's only increasing. And what I mean by that is, do you have the basic foundational capabilities? Is your organization concerned with cyber? Because if I'm going to invest in you, then that's a risk to the to the capital that I'm putting in because if even before you hit revenue or, or the market with a product or service, you could be fined as, as we're getting along the way, right? It's, it's, if, if you're, a, you know, like a biotech company and those things are in that market, you could be in a, in a nebulous area from a data protection perspective. But if I'm using patient data in that way, I may not be to market yet, but I might still have that data, which could open us to risk. So if I'm an investor class, and I'm looking at these organizations, do I want to see that there's somebody in the company that's representative of a knowledgeable source? Just like when we look at uh, you know, a, a, an investor class that's allowed to, to put money into a company or, or, or a certain you know, level of classification of investor, you have to have that within a company, within an executive. If you're looking at people that are tech-focused or CFOs, COOs that have no understanding or, or background in cyber – that's a red flag to me as an investor doing a check sheet, you know, an assessment of a qualified investment. Cause I, I want to know just as, as much as I want to know the business is resilient and its operations are resilient. I also want to know that it's technology and it's security and privacy are resilient. So that's just like the table stakes. Like how do we make sure that there's somebody there that's knowledgeable about the business, but then it's about what are they knowledgeable about and, and what are they telling us to do? So having that first say, foundational assessment even before you've gone into your series funding to say here's what we do like like i was saying before is 
What kind of products and services do we offer? What kinds of risks do we think that opens us up to? And then even further to that, like if you're in a crypto company today or on you know blockchain type company, or you're in an area that might open you to a, a different level of risk, just because you're suddenly going to be in a lot of trade trade magazines, websites, and things like that, and that opens you to, to well, these they, they may be funded soon, so we might want to we might want to open some back doors into their systems today. There's some bad actors that may want to take advantage of that. And there's also even internal employees. So you want people to understand that your risk landscape can be very complex, can be changing based on the fact that who you are today as a company can accelerate and change very rapidly based on that funding series and, and the names that are attached to that. Because when you go to Series A and, and you're going through your rounds, every time you get one, there's a press release. And every time you do that, that certainly raises your, your profile. And also... If I'm looking for a target, I don't want to go after the boring company, usually. I want to go after the one with fresh money that's young that may not have protections in place. So both sides of the street, as an investor qualifying a company, uh, I want to make sure that they have people thinking about that. But as someone running that company that's trying to say, what are we going to be when we grow up? I want to make sure from the beginning that I have people that are thinking about this. They don't we don't have to be spending a lot of money, but we should be thinking about the foundation elements, secure development of our systems and our technologies. That means setting in some guidelines in the beginning that make sure that those typical open doors and windows that we call vulnerabilities and systems aren't there from the beginning. So we don't have to retrofit things later. And that's a, that's a really important perspective. If I'm analyzing a company and I find out that you're thinking about that, I think you're, you're, you're looking to protect the business, not just from an operational perspective, but from a technology and cyber perspective. makes me feel a little more uh, comfortable with writing eight, nine, ten-figure checks to support the next unicorn. So, Rick, this uh, I sit in a lot of board meetings, probably not as many as you, but as an audit partner, you know, I get to sit, I get the benefit of sitting through a lot of them, right? And I always listen to the cybersecurity section because it's very important to the audit, right? And I'll tell you, I hear this from a lot of CIOs, so I, I'd love your perspective. Um, what what they inevitably say at the beginning of their section is, it's not whether or not we've been hacked, it's when we will be hacked, right? So it's, you know, to what you said earlier, it's almost like table stakes. We know it's going to happen regardless of what type of company we are, especially if we're public, right? We're 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 a target simply because we're public. You know, how do how do boards deal with that, and then how do management teams deal with that again in this high growth company, you know, segment of the market, which maybe doesn't quite have the resources of a large public company? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think. You can, you can find a lot of statistics out there, but what you'll, you'll probably find is that the majority of companies will have a, a significant security incident every couple of years. Uh, and, and by significant, it doesn't mean it has to be a, you know, a severe loss of work or disruption, but something that they consider significant. It could be a, a small ransomware issue. It could be something with one of their partners like SolarWinds that didn't impact a lot of places, but was a significant incident, meaning... A lot of customers didn't have severe impacts to their business, uh, we hope, right? I mean, there could still be some things that will happen that we'll see as the time plays out. But but it is a win. There is no if for any company because as long as we, we are involved and we have humans, the, then we're all going to make mistakes eventually. And, and the, 
the vehicles for incidents to happen, it's just it's just too hard to consider that that you're going to be that lucky. I believe we had a conversation in another panel a week or so ago where it's like, I haven't been hacked. Am I lucky or good? Both, maybe, hopefully. Uh, right. So so when you're looking at the the smaller companies, and when I say smaller, meaning could be just younger and coming up and and building, uh, or even well-established companies, but but aren't the giants that you see out there. Because, like I said, the big banks spend a billion dollars a year on cyber, and they still get hit. So how do you find what's right for you? And I look at it as, as a few simple rubrics for me. And and in the board meetings, they, they center around these three pillars, but they help me drive to the cost. It's like, you know, are, are we going the right direction, or do we have the right strategy? Are we getting there fast enough? And are we missing anything? So if you look at what I was talking about before, about understanding your company, what your company does, and what it's make up, what are we selling, what are we doing, who are our customer base, do we do business around the world? Do we, you know, what's our ecosystem? Build, using all that to build uh, a risk profile of your organization to understand what it is you're trying to protect, and spending in those areas appropriately and putting the right things in place, there has to be some budget for cyber. There, there has to be, and it, it doesn't mean you're going to overspend in the beginning, but but you do need to overclub in some areas that are important to you, and you need some table stakes capabilities, things like identity management, which is access control to make sure the right people have access to the right things for the right period of time. Without that base capability, then how can you build a structure of security around your environment if everybody just has access to things, right? So there, there's certain things that you have to do regardless of size of company doesn't mean you have to go out and buy one of the big name solutions that you see in airports and on you know the sides of buses or stadiums but it does mean you need that capability and sometimes it can be homegrown from the beginning and as you grow you may need to grow into a big enterprise solution but you do need certain things and and my advice normally to the companies that are growing is to take this risk-based approach and to figure it out like i was saying before if if you're going to be heavily dependent on personal information and sensitive data, you should really invest in data protection technologies that are going to help you understand if you've been breached, if data is leaving your enterprise, uh, who has access to it, what they've done with it, those kind of things, because that traceability is going to help you to maintain the trust around that data with your customers and your investors. Likewise, there's there's you know several other major capabilities that make up the basis for for cyber. But not all of them are always going to be as necessary to overinvest in right away. Uh, but but you do want those foundational capabilities, things like the monitoring, the ability to to see what's happening in your environment, the who and what is doing what to where, is things like things that are going your 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 servers and your employee systems, your your laptops, desktops, things like that. But also seeing how people connect through their VPNs and things like that. You want to have some monitoring on that, even at the basics. Because you need to have traceability, and that way, if something happens, when it happens, you have the ability, because what you want to be able to do is to have the right capabilities in place to minimize the impact and duration. If you don't have the basic capabilities, then what you see is these things spiral out of control. And that's where the investor market and your consumer market are going to lose total confidence in the business, because you don't have the ability to say, we don't know what you, you are actually going to say, we don't know what happened. We don't know how it happened. We're still investigating it. You see the stammering 
And when your executives are on CNBC, they're not able to project confidence that we know what's happening. Or worse, projecting false confidence because then you find out that they really didn't know what was going on, which can actually be more detrimental to your brand. So finding the right uh, beginning for your program, even as a as an early stage company, is is the way to go. And I mentioned earlier about making sure that you have secure development processes for your systems, your products, your services. That's really important because if you build it in at the beginning, you're not going to have to pay a lot more to build it in later. And it can actually help again with preventing things like insider threat, like a, a an angry employee from making bad things happen or a third party risk because you've got these things that are protecting you. So some of these things sound like they might be bigger, but they're actually, when they're done right and done in the beginning, very cost-effective ways to protect your enterprise. And and I think that that's, when you're starting out and you don't have a lot of excess capital, that's the way to do it is to, to target the most efficient and effective spend rather than try to say we need to spend a lot or start buying things from the big vendors. Uh, get a partner that can help you define the strategy. And then I, I think also just taking, I think this is the last point I'd make on it is a building block approach. What are the things I need to put in right now, in the next 12, six, 12 months? And how do I absorb that? Do I need partners from outside? So the people are, are going to need those people too. And how do I fulfill that and get that out online and absorb that and change the culture around security to get those things in place and then say, what's my next wave of capabilities that I need. So you're building that maturity over time, but you're also protecting the enterprise with really important capabilities that help your business to, to do what you need to do to, to make sure that the lights are on, but also the windows and doors are shut. Rick, that, that is extremely helpful. And, and so I've got two more things. So one, your personal hack story, because I think it's I think it's a really good one. And then two costs, right? I think I think everyone is probably thinking, okay, well, okay, Rick, but how much is that going to cost me, right? Right. So let's start with my personal hack story. I mean, I have a lot. I will just say to the audience at home, uh, if you're listed as a cyber executive on LinkedIn, uh, you just might as well paint the target because you're going to get hit. Uh, and there's not much you can do about it because if the bad guys who are extremely skilled and talented make you a target, you're a target. Uh, we have several major uh, industry events in cyber, just like every other, uh, you know, if you have accounting and tax and audit type scenarios that people get together. And I wasn't even attending it. I happened to be in the same city as one of these these events and at a hotel near the airport. And I was targeted and they were, you know, there is one of those situations where a hotel lobby is handing out free drinks. And of course I was very happy to take a free drink and place my phone on a uh, little tray, which happened to be equipped with a scanner. And I'm sure I wasn't the only person they were getting. This was in cyber city. They just, I was one of the jackpots. So scary. Yeah. <laughs> it's so scary. I can laugh about it now, but at the, the exact moment it was coming the, the, boss I had at the time in another firm found it hysterical when I called him at three in the morning and was like, my cell phone was just cloned. They've called my in-laws. Uh, they've called from, from Estonia cause that's where they were located, but it looked like they're calling from my phone. Uh, and it sounded like I was in a bar fight somewhere when in fact I was not and not even close by. But after they did that, they were able to get more information where they were starting to do other things where they could get into other accounts cause we live on our phones. Uh, 
and it is. It's it's highly scary. So I've had that, and then also, I have a lot of automation in my house, and they've hacked into everything from baby monitors to my garage doors. Everything's IP enabled, and most things. This is your change your default password story. Who would think to change the password on their garage door openers? Well, I'm going to tell you, you should. Uh, change your Wi-Fi password, everything you get from you know, Xfinity or whoever your cable provider is. You should do that. And as a security professional, you'd think we would. But just like you don't want to buy a car from a mechanic because they probably have done some questionable maintenance on their car, you probably would think a cyber person would have done the appropriate things. No, I didn't. Our house has been hit much to my poor wife's patients testing. Uh, so everyone should do this. And as an executive, uh, if you're watching this and you think, well, I'm, I, I work in this industry or I do this or I do that, I'm probably not a target. You're totally a target. You are from a, from a perspective of an, a potential attacker, you have the ability to probably approve invoices, checks, and you have possibly access to certain amounts of, of money. Uh, which makes me want to come after you. And that's that's the other side of it. So I just happen to be a target based on what I do, but I'm also an executive, so they look at that as a different, why do you rob a bank? It's where the money is. So why would you target a CFO versus you know, somebody in, in another part of the business? Well, there's a lot of things. I might be able to get the procurement system, you know, the asset management system, a lot of different things that make you a different target. I don't want to scare anybody. This is not about fear, uncertainty, and doubt. It's just about personal awareness and understanding that we all have, an, have a role to play, not just in protecting our personal assets, but our corporate assets, because like I'm on my corporate laptop right now, the blend of personal and professional work on our, on our assets, cell phone or laptop or otherwise, means we tend to have more information than necessary. And that, that is a reason for people to make us make us attractive targets. So what do we want to spend to fix that? <laughs> well, uh, there's, 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 you know, the, the, the flip part of what do we do to protect our, our employees and our assets, but it's really about our business. And there's no, there's no real tried, or, tried and true way of looking at it because you can, like I was saying before, you can spend a billion dollars and still be hacked like some of the banks or you can spend nothing. So it's, you know, what's the cost of doing nothing is part of your risk profile. And if you say there's a broad swath, right, in the cross-functional financial services industry, we would say a half a percent, so you know, 0.5% of your revenue is a good benchmark for cyber, except for everything, right? So that's the problem with benchmarks is even when they're blended across an industry, it doesn't fit for purpose for the business that's looking at the benchmark, right? Because you don't know what the Joneses or the Smiths are worried about. You know what you're worried about. So I like to look at it and say, what if I'm way underspending that? Do I have to spend that tomorrow? No, it's a blended average. It, it, you, what, what you want to do is say, there's, a, there's a, a flag in the sand, a finger in the wind that says there's a range somewhere in here in an industry, and if I look at it and say, here's my revenue, let's say I'm a billion-dollar company, well, that means something like you know, $5 million, right? And if I, if I want to get to that, then I say, what am I spending on? Do I have a CISO or somebody that's the head of security? 
you know, and, and how many other people do we have in that group? And you look at that and you say, well, I'm spending 50% of what we are on payroll, but the IT people aren't really cyber. It's just they're part cyber. Don't worry about cutting out part of their salaries to see how it fits in that because if they're doing cyber, they're doing cyber. And if I'm spending 50% of my payroll that's earmarked towards cyber on people, you're going to look and you're going to find in the, in the world that that's actually okay. Usually the biggest cost in cyber is people. But if you find out you're not really spending on tools or technologies and you just have smart people, then you probably, once you do an analysis, a gap analysis of your capabilities, you're probably going to find that you have a lot of gaps because people can't just fix this. You can't just fix this with configuration. You need a way to find the things that you need to fix. And that's what these tools do. They help you find those open doors and windows in your systems, and they help you find the intelligence of what's happening out in the marketplace. Like in my case, where my personal hack story or others that I know, there's actually services and companies out there that do sentiment analysis that will look at your company, your executive team, and and people within your business and look at the data around your business to see if you're really a target and things happening in the dark web and chatter are talking about your business. And believe it or not, that's really beneficial for companies that are in funding stages and they're in growth phases because, like I had said before, they're usually getting a lot of press, which elevates their stature in the community of people we want to go get uh, from a target perspective. So using one of those capabilities might be something you want to invest in, but you need to figure out how to get there. So it's like if you don't have any people and you don't have any tools, you already know you're in a bad situation. But how much to spend on that should be driven by the risk and you need the right person. You need the right people, whether it's a partner in a professional, fir- you know, services firm, or someone that you're hiring in to run this. You need that. That first step is to invest in the people to help you figure out what my next step in investment is. The landing spot once you hit maturity is usually going to be dictated by your risk tolerance and appetite, as well as things like your regulatory pressures and other things that you have to fulfill as a company. If you're thinking pre-IPO, like what are the check boxes I want to fill? to prospective institutional investors or others that are going to allay that risk. But also it comes back to the original founding foundational cornerstone to me of trust with my consumer and investors is what are the the foundational things I need? And then when you get out there, you're going to find all that adds up pretty quickly. But my message is don't get hung up on benchmarks. Look at it as what is it doing from an accretive reduction in risk for your business? And what does that mean to you? Yeah, absolutely, Rick. This is this has been tremendously helpful, and frankly, I could go on and and on, and and this wouldn't even necessarily benefit me, but it, it will absolutely benefit my my clients. So, thank you so much for your time. I I think we'll probably have to have you back on if you're okay with that. We'll we'll go a few sessions, and and because I think you said this earlier when we were preparing. Uh, what we know today is is going to be very different than what we know tomorrow. So constantly evolving. Absolutely. Well, thanks for allowing me to come in today and, and talk with you all. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Rick. Thanks for listening to this episode of KPMG's Privately Speaking. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast to be notified of new episodes. 